They're a great looking group of people. Man, uh, what an honor it is to have you here at our South Metro Atlanta campus. This is our broadcast campus. There's a bunch of rowdy people in the room today too. Come on, isn't that true? Let me hear you one more time. I love it. Uh, many of you know this, but we're one church in multiple locations. So again, everybody here at our South Metro Atlanta campus, every Sunday we live stream our gathering to our Germantown, Maryland campus family and the greater Washington, D.C. area. So we welcome everybody at Germantown tonight, meeting at 6 p.m. And then we also live stream uh, all across the world online. Uh, my little five-year-old girl would say, literary, literary around the world. And so literally around the world we get to live stream and so we welcome everybody tuning in uh, wherever you are and whoever you are what an honor it is to have you today as a part of our go church gathering so if you are online drop in the uh, comment section maybe where you're watching from we always love to connect with you that way and if you have a prayer request so everybody in the room one more time welcome everybody at germantown and everybody online come on love it and uh, we, have a, uh, we have a weekly tradition here before we jump into the message where we always pause to give honor to two very special groups of people. Uh, first, we give honor to the courageous first responders that put their life on the line. And so we thank you, sir and ma'am, for serving the way that you do. And then we also give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women. And most of you know this, but this upcoming Wednesday, November the 11th, is Veterans Day. And so of all of the applause of appreciation that we give, I feel that it would be appropriate if this would be the highest applause of appreciation for a group of individuals to those veterans who have served and sacrificed to give us the beautiful benefit of living in the United States of America, to walk out democracy and to be able to vote and have the right to vote. I know many of you know this, but freedom is not free. Hello, come on now. And so to those of you that have served, and of course to those of you who are currently serving, uh, we honor you, we salute you, and we say God bless you and thank you. So now church family, everybody online, Germantown, and right here in the room, can we do this? Can we stand to our feet and honor all of the veterans who have sacrificed so much to give us our freedoms today? Come on. Come on, real loud right here. Come on, thank you. There we go. I love it. All right, grab a seat. I love that. And uh, God bless America. My, my father served in the army and uh, he was a cook in the army. And as a matter of fact, uh, my father was significantly older when I was born, but he served in the Korean War. And uh, so I just thank God for all of the veterans and thank you again for the way that you serve and, and you love our country. Uh, we, we just honor and respect you so much. All right, last, last week we closed out a great series on the book of Jonah. And sometimes I'll take kind of a, a week in between to reset and recalibrate and then move into a new series, but the way that 2020 has uh, played out, there are no rules, come on now. So we're gonna jump right into a brand new series today through the month of November, and it's called Legacy, Legacy. And we do this every year at Go Church, where we talk about, we talk about legacy, what it means to live a life of legacy, what it means to leave behind a legacy. And I wanna start off with giving you a verse of scripture here in the book of Colossians, chapter number one. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to uh, Colossians. If you've got your smartphone, you can go to your Bible app, uh, application there. Just maybe put on Do Not Disturb so you don't get distracted from social media and, of course, text messages. But I'd love for you to find the book of Colossians, chapter one. This is written by the apostle Paul and his sidekick, Timothy, and the writing to the church of Colossae. And some thousands of years ago, I want you to see 
the encouragement that we find today in 2020. Verse 16 starts off by saying this, for in him, on the count of three, everybody say the word him, one, two, three. That, that is God, that is God. And that's incredibly important that you know that we believe that in him all things are created. At Go Church and as your pastor, we do not believe in Darwin's theory of evolution. We do not believe in the Big Bang Theory. We believe that everything was created by God, capital G God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Another good place to say amen right there. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, the things that we can see and even the things that we cannot see, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, this should give some of us some really good encouragement today. All things have been created through him and for him. Now let me break down that verse to tell it to you in, in the way that my brain comprehends what I'm reading here. You were created by God and you were created for God. And there is a purpose for your life. You're not here on planet earth to take up space and to suck up all the oxygen. God has given you a purpose. You were created by God and for God. If you're taking notes, write this thought down here. You are alive on purpose and for a purpose. As a matter of fact, I'd love for everybody, let's continue the crowd participation because you're a lively crew. Why don't you repeat this after me? Come on, real loud, say, I am alive, I am alive. On, purpose on purpose and for a purpose. Come on, do it again like you believe it. I am alive, I am alive. on purpose and for a purpose. That, that means every teacher, every doctor, every politician, every mechanic, every single parent, single mom, single dad, regardless of what your job is and what your title is, God created you for a purpose. You are alive today because there is a purpose on your life. There is no accident and the sovereignty of God. You aren't an accident. You are alive today for a reason. And, and I, I try to commit this to you that I, I think it's one of my primary jobs as your pastor or spiritual tour guide to help you find and discover and develop and deploy that God-given purpose. You are alive on purpose and for purpose. You woke up today because your life has meaning. You woke up this morning because your life has purpose. I don't know who that needs to encourage, but I believe there's somebody that needs to be reminded of that. And the challenges of this year and the challenges of your life, there is still great purpose and great meaning. Let's dive into a little bit deeper discussion on the idea of purpose. Now, our ultimate purpose is not to live here on earth forever. Now, there are these people that will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to have their their heads frozen or their bodies frozen after they die, hoping that when medicine evolves, they can come back to life. Ain't nobody got time for that. No man knows the hour of, of which our end will come. It's not our goal, though, to stay here or to live here on planet Earth forever. Our purpose, though, is to leave behind something that does. Ladies and gentlemen, that is your legacy your legacy at some point all of us will perish from this earth so the goal isn't to live here for four hundred thousand years or 
however many years. The purpose, though, is to do something so impactful, so significant, that legacy that you leave will stay and remain for all of eternity. Do you get that? I don't know if you've ever heard of a lady by the name of Agnes Bojaksu. She was born in 1910, and at the age of 12, Agnes decided to commit her entire life to following God. At 18, she moved away from her home, moved to Ireland. There she learned the English language. She was in Ireland for one year. One year later, at 19, she moved to India. She learned another language. Throughout her lifetime, Agnes learned five languages that she was fluent in. She committed her whole life to serving people, to serving the community, to helping those who were needy and hungry and homeless and, and hurting. In 1979, I believe Agnes received the Nobel Peace Prize, and by 1985, she was the main spe speaker at the United Nations Convention. You know who she is? Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, at 12 years old, recognized the importance of legacy, that this life is far more than just the amount of time that we're given. See, Mother Teresa died from heart problems at the young old age of 87. Come on now. But her legacy will remain forever. The ripple effect of her commitment to seek first the kingdom of God and to love other people will last for eternity. And what about you? What, what about me? If, if you look at research, the latest research says that, ladies, you're going to live to be an average of 81. Fellas, you're going to live to be an average of 76. It's probably because your wife's going to kill you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> take you out. So, so what are we going to do with 80 years plus minus on this earth? What are we going to do with the decades that, that God has afforded to us? What is going to be the legacy of the life that, that we live? A really good friend of mine who is certainly a mentor and no stranger to go church is a great man by the name of Lee Domain. As a matter of fact, in 2019, Pastor Lee came and spoke in our legacy series. Last year, he's on staff as a legacy pastor at Church of the Highlands, and, and he defines legacy as this. Legacy is giving away what you have lived and what you have learned. Think about that. Your legacy is giving away everything that you've lived and everything that you have learned. When I was a, a kid, we grew, up, we grew up in the country, like country with a K country. Come on, somebody. We lived in the suburb of Plant City, Florida, in Dover, Florida, on this long, windy dirt road called Feetsway Road. And uh, I visited my childhood home a couple of years ago, and as a kid, I thought that this home and this yard was just massive in size, but now revisiting it as an adult, it seemed much smaller now. But I do remember on the back side of the property, we had this little creek and as a kid, I, I would go down to this creek and uh, I'd pick up some stones and I'd, I'd skip, skip some rocks over the river of the creek. Anybody ever done that? If you've never done that, you have never lived. Come on, give me a good amen right there. 
and I'd pick up these stones and one by one I'd, I'd skip them on the creek line and you'd watch the stone just skim across the top of the water. As a matter of fact, this was a photo that my mother took of me skipping rocks. I'm just kidding. That's a Google image. Come on now. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, this really is legacy. This is legacy. Listen to me. It's taking what is in your hand, giving it away. And once your life disappears below the surface of the quote unquote water, the ripple effect or the impact will go on and on and on and on and on. That's legacy. Taking whatever it is that God has gifted you with, everything that you've lived and everything that you've learned and giving it all away. And even when you disappear again, the ripple effect will remain. Legacy is this, legacy is what people remember about you. I think a lot about this, especially in recent days and months is, you know, I, I turned 40, come on, and I look at the statistic that the average age is 76. I'm on the other side of the hill now. You start to think a lot about life, don't you, and how you will be remembered. How are people going to remember you? How do you want them to remember you? I think those are two completely different questions. How they will remember you and how you want them to remember you. Because you can want them to remember you as generous, but if you're stingy, ain't, ain't going to happen. You can want them to remember you as humble, but, but if you're proud, it ain't going to happen. So how will people remember you when, when your time on this earth is over? The legacy that remains is how people Remember you, the Bible gives us a great understanding of this in Psalm 112. And scripture says that those who are righteous, that's just those who are on the right path, living the right way, they will be remembered for how long? Forever. It's taking what's in your hand, not doing it your way, doing it God's way, giving it all away, and you will be remembered forever. But legacy isn't just what people remember about you. Legacy is also what God remembers about you. See, God has a fantastic memory. And God sees and remembers every act of generosity, every act of sacrifice, every seed of love that you sow to others. God sees that and he remembers it. Scripture tells us of that very truth in Hebrews 6.10 that God is not unjust, and watch this. Here's what the Bible says. He will never forget your work. That's good news, isn't it? He'll never forget your work, and he'll also never forget the love that you've shown him, and he'll never forget the way that you've helped his people, and this is a key word here, and the way you continue to help them. Legacy, again, is not just what people will remember about you. Your legacy is what God will remember about you. Now, don't get legacy and dynasty twisted. They're two different conversations. See, dynasty is very selfish. Dynasty is always about me. On the count of three, everybody say me, one, two, three. Me, it's always about me. Legacy is selfless and it's always about we. On the count of three, everybody say we, one, two, three. We. we. Dynasty selfish, always about me. Legacy selfless, always about we. 
uh, this morning as I was praying and processing the sermon, I got to this particular point in the message, and for some reason I thought of, this really defines Georgia sports teams right here. See, Alabama sports teams, especially Crimson Tide, are all about selfishness, creating a dynasty, and trophies on a shelf. But not Georgia sports teams, no. I mean, we can have a 28 to three lead at halftime in the Super Bowl, and our legacy will be what? Let's give it away, come on now. We can be up, Georgia Bulldog fans, hear me out, we can be up 14 to zero, two minutes into the first quarter against the Florida Gators. Our legacy, y'all take the game, go ahead. I mean, we can't even count all the votes here in Georgia still. Come on, somebody, just too soon, too soon. Sorry, too soon. Dinos, all the people in Maryland are like, yeah, tell them. Don't get me started on the Washington football team. Come on now. <laughs> Dynasty is selfish. It's always about me. What can I accomplish? What can I obtain? What are my, what are my acc accolades? How, how, how much can I get? And, and don't we live in this culture? I'm, I'm not downplaying technology. I mean, I have an iPhone. You, you think that is coincidental? You think that the developers of social media didn't know that we are a very selfish people? That's why it started with MySpace and Facebook and Instagram. It's why we're drawn to see how many retweets and likes and hearts we get because we want this life to be all about us and it's not intended to be that way. This life is not our own. God created you on purpose and for purpose, and it, and hear me respectfully, it's never been about you, and it's never been about me. It's been about us impacting our culture to be the hands and feet of Jesus extended, to love a broken and hurting world. I wish I had like 23 people that would agree with whatever it is I'm saying here. Life is, okay, 24 people, can I get 25? 100, there we go. But legacy is give it away, give it away. Uh, this message has nothing to do with your discipline of generosity in terms of tithing. But I hear people say all the time, well, you know, I just want my money. And they say, well, God, God says 10%. And I've had that discussion. Someone told me one time, well, that's the Old Testament, 10%. I was like, you know what, you're right. In the New Testament, Jesus says, sell it all. They became Old Testament real quick. You give it all away. Have a legacy of selflessness. My mind is just so moved by the heart of Mother Teresa. That would say, okay, this life is not about me. I think of another incredible pastor, Francis Chan, on the West Coast. He pastored a church and wrote a few books and became really uh, quite popular on social media. And his church grew to a mega church. And one day in prayer, the Lord said, back away from all of it and move to Yangon, Myanmar. Can you imagine that conversation around your dinner table with your family? We've got a thriving business, a thriving company, a healthy 401k. But in my prayer time, the Lord said, it's not about me, it's about we. We're moving to Southeast Asia. You know, 
That's like a real test of faith, isn't it? But that type of legacy living is what life is really all about. It's not about me, it's about we. So what does this legacy life look like? Let me give you a few thoughts here over the next 20 minutes to challenge us in the introduction of this whole series. A legacy life is a life of faith. On the count of three, everybody say the word faith. One, two, three. Come on, I need to make sure you're with me. One, two, three. Yeah, it's a life of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is not only belief. Faith is seeing something before it's even in front of you. Man, this is how I want my life to be. I want my life to be a life of faith. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why Kimberly and I, we packed up a 27-foot U-Haul in September of 2013. 26 feet of the 27-foot U-Haul was Kimberly's clothes and shoes. Come on, ladies. She was like, you get the back corner of the U-Haul for all your stuff. We moved 702 miles to Germantown, Maryland. Why? Because Faith said, I see something different in Germantown. I see something different in the greater Washington, D.C. area. It's the faith that then said a few years later, now move back to South Metro Atlanta. Why? Because I see something different happening in Sharpsburg. I see something different happening in Sonoma and all of this uh, South Metro Atlanta area. My faith allows me to see something different in our country and in our nation and around the world. My eyes are not just fixed on what I see but also what is unseen. I can see it in the spirit. Are you with me? Uh, the Bible says it like this in, in John 4, 35. Open up your eyes. Open up your eyes and what? Look at the fields because the fields are ripe for harvest. Let me tell you why through all of this COVID pandemic and, and the tension of the political challenges. I have had great peace because I believe in my heart that this is the greatest hour for the church. The fields are ripe for harvest and a divided nation needs a united church. Come on, give me a good amen right there. And I don't know what you see, but when I watch the news and I should not watch the news, but when I watch the news, do you know what I see? I see a harvest of people that feel like there is no hope, but we have hope and his name is Jesus. You know what I see? I see a church. I see a church full of people, Republicans and Democrats, that when we come together, we lift up hands to heaven and we worship Jesus because we are all covered in his blood. Come on, can you help me for a moment? I see a church, a church that is impacting the community, a, a ripple effect in the community where we're helping single moms and we're taking care of orphans and we're feeding hungry people and we're being a blessing to our community. Not, not just a church that has a come to us methodology, but a therefore go theology, a church that is much more than just four walls and a foundation of concrete, but a church that says, if there are broken people, let me be the hands and feet of Jesus extended. I need 200 people to help me preach. Come on. I see it. I see a church that loves you regardless of the color of your skin. I see a church that loves you regardless of your socioeconomic background. Yeah. 
I see a church that says, hey, this is a hospital for hurting people. I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious. I'm not afraid. Jesus is Lord and he is King of Kings. And this is the hour that the church through faith can leave a legacy. Come on and give Jesus some praise. Woo! Come on, if we're gonna clap, let's do it well. Come on. I, I, I don't always use the message translation of scripture, but I do cross reference with it often. And in my preparation of today, I came across Ephesians 2, the message translation. I want you to see this. God is building a home. Listen to me, lean in for a second. It's why we say, Welcome home. This is home. God is building a home. And guess who he's using to build it? You. He's using me to build this home, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. Watch this. I love this. He used the apostles and he used the prophets to build the foundation. Now he is using you. You are alive on purpose and for purpose. Watch this. Fitting you in brick by brick. Thank God for the dozens of Go kids, volunteers that serve every Sunday, loving on your children. Thank God for the first impression host that stand at the doors and in the parking lots and, and the worship team that leads us in song and the production team that makes all of this possible. Look, it's you. God is fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone because what we do is never about us. It's not so that we can build a platform or puff out our chest. No, it is Jesus who gets all the glory. It is Jesus who gets all the honor. He is the chief cornerstone. And guess what? He holds all of those parts together. And watch how the verse continues. We see it. We see it. Oh man, this is how I can rest well at night because I, I can see it by faith that it's all taking shape Day after day, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. And the church has to be ready to do the work that's left of Jesus, to fulfill the great commission, to go into a whole world, a holy temple being built by God. All of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. A legacy life is a life of faith. On the count of three, say faith. One, two, three. But a legacy life is also a life of sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Write this down. It's not on the screen. But if you ever want to do something significant, you have to lay something down. If you ever want to do something significant, you have to lay something down. Last school year at my son's elementary school, uh, quick story. The teacher was having to discipline the class because they were misbehaving, causing a little commotion. Which, by the way, God bless all the teachers at Go Church, man. Thank you, teachers. And love you. Lord bless you. Many of you have had to, you know, kind of pivot and now teach on Zoom. And, and just, I just felt that in my spirit to tell you how much we appreciate you. And so it's one thing to discipline your own kids. It's another thing to discipline other brats. I mean, other children, sorry. Other children. So this teacher had to get on to the class and she said, uh, I, I need to move some of the seating around 
to accommodate the behavior, to make it better. So my son, Lakeland, he raises his hand. He's sitting. He's been assigned to sit in a cluster of four. Two of the four classmates are his best friends. And Lakeland raises his hand, and he says, I'll move. I'll move. No need to move everybody. I'll move, and then we'll figure this thing out, basically. Well, she moved him to the back. I think he thought that she wouldn't move him, but he did, she did move him. So Lakeland had to get up. He moved to the back of the class. That day, he came home, and he was hysterical crying. I said, what's going on? He told Kimberly and me, you know, this is what happened. I kind of volunteered to move. I didn't think she'd take my offer. She took my offer. Now I'm in the back of the class. Like, I don't even like the kids in the back of the class. And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is what I told him. I said, Lakeland, that is sacrifice. Write this down. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. Lakeland gave up something he loved, sitting with friends, for something he loved even more, which was the benefit of the whole classroom. So the next day, the teacher stands up, and she says this, I was so moved by Lakeland's sacrifice that I've decided to move him back up to the front of the class, and he gets to pick who sits with him. Can I tell you that God always honors your sacrifice. And I know that's a simple story of an elementary class situation, but the principle is true for your life and mine. If you just sacrifice, if you ever want to do something significant, you have to lay something down. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. What is it that God has been telling you to lay down, lay it down, and you've been wrestling with that? That's not, that's not faith, that's fear. Don't let fear creep in. If God is speaking to your heart, a legacy life says, I'm going to live a life of sacrifice. 1 Peter 2.5 says it like this. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering what? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I think one of the greatest stories in all of the New Testament about sacrifice is the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, let me show it to you here. Go with me in your Bible or lean in on the screen to the book of Luke chapter 10. Jesus told them a story, a parable. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers and they took his clothes and they beat him up and went off leaving him half dead. I love how this translation of scripture sarcastically calls out the religious people. Luckily, a priest was on his way. This man of God was headed down the same road, but when he saw the, the man that was left half dead, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, another religious man, showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. But then a Samaritan, someone that shouldn't even be there, traveling the road, came to the broken man, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him, and he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my tab, and I'll pay the bill in full the next time I pass through. One more verse here. Two more verses. What do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? Verse 37. Remember, it's Jesus telling the story. 
the one who treated him kindly. Jesus said, go and do the same. April 3rd, 1968, at the Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached his final sermon. And he preached on being on the hilltop, the mountaintop. The very next day, he was murdered. And that final message, you know what he preached on? The Good Samaritan. And he talked about the two different mindsets that make up individuals. And here's what he said. This is Dr. Martin Luther King. He said, the first mindset is this. If I stop and help, what's going to happen to me? Dynasty, me. And then he said, the second mindset though is, if I don't stop and help, what's going to happen to him? How do we take on a life of sacrifice to say, what? Who cares what happens to me? Our heart should be what happens to them. And it is my prayer as your pastor that what we do in here fills the streets out there. Let us not become so self-absorbed with our religious, you know, kind of behavior that we stop letting it affect the whole world. And being a follower of Christ, being a, a legacy liver is to live a life of faith and a life of sacrifice. It says, even if I put myself in, a, in harm's way, knowing that I'm taking care of the least of these, what if, let me go back, what if Mother Teresa would have said, well, if I stop and help them, what will happen to me? The 37 children that were trafficked that she rescued never would have been saved. Hundreds of thousands of people fed, clothed, and exposed to the gospel never would have been shared. What happens if you take what's in your hand and you refuse to let it go? Get out of the mindset of what's happening to me and get in the mindset of, if I don't do what God is calling me to do, if I don't sacrifice, if I don't lift my hand and say, hey, I'll get up from the cluster of seats and I'll move to the back or I'll move to the side so that everybody else can benefit, what's going to happen to the whole world? You are alive on purpose and for purpose. Legacy is a life of faith. It's a life of sacrifice. Two more, hang in there with me. It's also a life of generosity. Let me tell you this. You've heard me say this before, but... I don't plan on quitting anytime soon. Somebody please say amen. Come on, thank you. But the moment that Go Church can only pay her bills, I'm out. I'm done. I refuse to pastor a church that can only pay to keep the lights on. It's not the purpose of this church. Now, thankfully, Go Church is incredibly generous. I mean, you all give above and beyond as your pastor. I have been so overwhelmed with the generosity of people in 2020. And I mean that wholeheartedly. And I feel as a part of my call and responsibility is to debunk the myth of what people think about church and finances. Because I know that the topic of tithing and offering and generosity can really be abused in the church world. Uh, we've seen that 
perversion on display on Christian television, where if you call in and you give, you know, $20 and 20 cents, God will bless you in 2020, phooey. No, I don't have to, I'm not paying for the blessings of God. Because of the redemptive work on the cross at Calvary, I walk in the blessings of God. I'm not against, I'm not against prosperity preaching in the sense of God will bless you. God wants to prosper you. But my relationship with God is not the mindset of I give to get. My mindset is I get to give. Oh, come on now. I don't give to get. I get to give. It's a privilege and it's a right. And the way that you all have responded with generosity, and that is what a legacy life is all about. It's a, it's a life of generosity. Here's another verse. We read Psalm 112, verse 6 earlier. Go a few more verses, and you see that they share freely and they give generously. To who? To those in need. This is why I say, if Go Church only exists in Germantown and, and right here in this area and and anywhere else we plan a campus to have a building and to sing a few songs? No, Lord, send us to Myanmar, Kimberly. Amen? Yeah, she's like, Myanmar? <laughs> no, we got to help people in need. I've told you this repeatedly, even last Sunday. God forbid that where there's a go church, there's hungry people. God forbid that where there's a go church, there's a single mom that can't figure out how to make ends meet. God forbid that where there's a go church, there's elderly people, senior citizens that can't afford prescription medication. God, can I get an amen on any of those? It's like looking at a cow, looking at a new gate right now. Come on, I'm preaching today. God, God forbid that, that where there's a go church, there are women and children caught up in sex trafficking. God, God forbid that where there's a go church, we can't offer counseling to help people overcome addiction or reconcile their marriages. Come on. God forbid that we refuse to be generous. No, let us help people who are in need and watch their good deeds will be remembered forever. And let go church and let our legacy collectively and individually have influence and honor. Come on and give Jesus some praise. Come on. And so we, we flipped the script here. Uh, last year, we did our first ever legacy offering. And I told you this. Now, legacy offering is this, and it's coming up on Sunday, December the 6th. Lean in. Don't check out. Even online, Jesus is watching if you try to X out of this part of the sermon. Come on. <laughs> legacy offering is this. It's an offering that goes above your normal giving. Can't substitute it because that kind of bankrupts the whole process here. This is, this is a legacy offering that goes above and beyond your normal tithe. And last year, the first Sunday of December, we took up a legacy offering and that one-time offering you all gave right at $135,000. Come on now. Oh, come on, that's a great place to give Jesus some praise. Now, here's what you're saying. What's the catch? There is a catch. There is. The catch is that when we take up a legacy offering, we give away 100% of it, all of it. So every penny, every nickel, every dime, every dollar, every $100, every $1,000, every $10,000, every $100,000, we give it all away. We have five legacy lanes. 
that we budget accordingly to give away. And ladies and gentlemen, in 2020, you all not only gave away all of the $135,000 in the legacy offering, but you've given far more than that. So this legacy offering is happening Sunday, December the 6th. And the legacy life is a life of generosity. Now here's the other part of this. I'm asking you as your pastor for 100% participation, the amount of what you give does not matter. I don't, I don't look at that. That's between you and the Lord. The amount of what you give doesn't matter. The amount of obedience is what matters. So you've got about a month here to begin to pray. And I promise you this, that however much money comes in, whether it's $10,000 or dare I say, I'm praying for $250,000, we give it all away. Every penny. We help women and children get out of sex trafficking. We help men in bondage and addiction find freedom. We, we go into the poorest parts of our county and even our country and we begin to rebuild homes so that families can have a safe place to live. We invest into counseling and invest into the next generation. You all are making a great impact around the world. As a matter of fact, this Christmas season in Honduras and Belize, over 300 children whom you will never even meet will get a Christmas party with Christmas gifts and they'll hear the gospel of Jesus. Some of them, for the first time ever, they'll hear the name Jesus and they get all of that because of you. Because of you. Because of your legacy. That is a legacy life. A life of faith, a life of sacrifice, a life of generosity. And the last one is this. It's a life of urgency. Now is the time. Today is the day. We don't put things off as legacy people. We don't delay the process. No, we respond now. We respond in this moment. So you respond to the call of God that's on your life. Oh, this is good, listen to me. Germantown online, everybody in this room, some of you, you've been running from God. Been running from God. God's been calling you to do something, but You've allowed fear to creep in and to hold you back, but now you're learning that a legacy life is about taking this moment, this hour, this minute, and saying yes to God, yes to God. Now is the time, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I always close with a last thought and question. Here it is. So when your life is over, what are you going to leave behind? When you breathe your last breath, what will you leave behind? On that tombstone, there is a date of birth and a date of your death. But the most important part is the dash in between. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Online, Germantown, South Metro campus as well. Lord, I pray that in this moment, hearts would be stirred. Nobody move, nobody leave. Hang in there with me. Your campus pastor is gonna come in just a moment and give you some dismissal instructions. Three minutes and you're out of here, tops. But all of this conversation about legacy it all hinges upon you being in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts there.
the impact that Mother Teresa made, the impact that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. made, the impact that you will make and I will make is all out of a relationship with Christ Jesus. So don't leave here today if you're not right with the Lord. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you move, that you touch hearts. And if there's anybody here today, the only people looking in this moment are your campus pastors and myself. But if the Holy Spirit has been stirring in your heart to say yes to Jesus, to accept him for the first time or to recommit your life to Christ, I'm gonna ask you now to lift your hands. Come on, if that's you. Thank you, right here in the middle, I see your hand. God bless you. In the far back, I see your hand. Thank you so much. Anybody else, come on. Right up here to my left, your right, here's another. Anybody else? All the way on this side, my left, your right, I see you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Young man, I see your hand. God bless you for your faithfulness. All right, everybody in the room, heads bowed, eye closed. Let me pray this prayer. Father, I ask that this message would move in the hearts of people. And for those that have just said yes to you, now I pray that they invite you into their heart and into their mind, that they admit that they are sinners, that they believe you are who you say you are, that they confess your, their sins to you and they commit their life to you. And today they begin a new life, a life of legacy. And for those that are here, God, that are already in a relationship with you, may this message be so challenging that it would move us to live a life of faithfulness and sacrifice and generosity and urgency because now is the time. So when your life is over, what do you wanna leave behind? In the name of Jesus, we pray. And together, everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. Come on, can you do that? Come on, somebody lift up Jesus.